Welcome to You Wanted a Hit, a podcast in which we discuss unlikely, perplexing, and positively bizarre songs that swept the nation and often the world. Hit songs that, looking back, make us think, how did this get played on the radio? Do people actually like this? Do we like this? Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your co-host, Michael Smith, and I'll be discussing one song per episode with my co-host and fellow music fanatic, pop culture enthusiast Theo Bible. Each episode, we'll take turns exploring the song, while the other host has no idea what song will be the focus until we hit play. Well, to kick things off, I'm going to crack a can of snack. Mm, a Sierra Nevada? Yes. I'm, I'm drinking my, my typical, the... Uh... The big little thing. That's that's my podcast. I hope you have some uh, some of the top waters for me to try when I get in. Oh yeah, I think I have like three left. So yeah, this Sierra Nevada. I'm having a hop water. Well, there you go. Right now, I love hop waters, and Sierra Nevadas is so good. It's great. I am a big hop water fan. This is like a local brewery um, here in Seattle that does one. Good to know. Um, Yeah, and it is it is my summer beverage. I don't necessarily have a summer song today, uh, but hopefully I have a song that you both enjoy. Well, we do have a summer guest. Oh, true. I should, we should talk about that first. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we have a guest that was just raving about the summer in Seattle. We're, uh, we're very excited to welcome Franny Thomas to the show. Welcome, Franny. Thanks for joining Hello. us. Um, I met Franny when she was at Sirius XM on the wonderful station, The Loft. And we were just talking about some great sandwiches we had, I think, probably the last time we hung out, which was, like, probably almost 10 years ago. Uh, 100 years ago, yeah. <laughs> um, and now Franny's in Seattle at the iconic and eclectic radio station, KEXP. Yep. We, ha- we have mentioned them before many times in the pod. Oh, they've come up a bunch of times. And do you have an online radio show as well? <clears throat> yeah, just for fun, fun, you know, spare time kind of thing put together some songs every once in a while love it um well welcome to the show we're we're stoked to have you theo has prepared a a story for us about a song and we franny and i will be here uh being supportive asking questions making jokes pretty much whatever we can do to uh to support theo's uh yarn that he will be spinning i picked the song that i thought may have been on the loft more than once. <laughs> okay. So that was my inspiration <laughs> behind this song. Uh, it's one of these songs that's a bit on the fence in that, on one hand, I can certainly see why it's a hit song, but the subject matter of the song does make it a good candidate for being odd to become a hit. Uh, and I think there's some nice little tangents along the way. So uh, I think it'll be a fun, fun evening. Uh, 17 seconds into the song, I expect you both to know the song. I, I would put money <laughs> okay. on it. Uh, but I'm interested to see if either of you uh, remember the intro and immediately know this song. So without further ado, let's get spiritual. In 17 seconds, another Cure reference. Oh, one of these nights and about 12 o'clock, this over's gonna demand rock. Saints, we all tremble and cry for pain, for the Lord's gonna come in his heaven airplane. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Neither of y'all knew the 
intro. No, I don't know if I've ever heard the intro. Or that's not. I don't think that's in the radio. Can't be. It can't be. (laughs) That would be insane to hear that on Top Forty Radio. We gotta get into it. We gotta get into it. in a bit here those guitar tones are pretty sick i'm just throwing it out there the guitar tones are great very uh we'll talk about them in a bit here uh we're talking about joan osborne's hit one of us was i correct that it might have been on the loft three or four times you know there were a lot of songs played there i'm sure it made its (laughs) way on the channel at one point or another feels lofty let's get it are you are you guys a fan of joan osborne are you a fan of the song um I don't know how much other music I know by Joan Osborne. Like, I know who she is. I think that's all I know. It's this song, and I I, I think I think I like this song. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think I like this song, too. I think I'm on the same page. I think that's all I also remember of Joan Osborne. I can close my eyes, and I think I can see the album cover. Um, there was, like, you know, like I can see the colors in her. She had curly hair. Uh, which means I might have owned the album at some point. Uh, <laughs> this was definitely that's a about all I know. A candidate it, for being a 90s album that you owned and only remember the one song, because maybe you only listened to the one song. Oh, mm-hmm. maybe you got it from Columbia House, and it was, maybe so. you know, it was free. The mm. artwork of the album is very 90s. It has, like, little uh, CGI, before CGI, birds and little guitars, and it's, it's fun. It's a fun one. What's the name of the album? Relish. Relish. Ooh. Ooh. I love some relish. Yeah, I think more about like, you know, relishing time together, but maybe oh, maybe okay. like the ketchup version of relish. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember this. Oh yeah, maybe. I remember this. Uh so Joan was born in nineteen sixty two. She's from Anchorage, Kentucky. Uh, oh you have me. Yeah, exactly. For a it's second. definitely like a city that you're like, oh Alaska, Kentucky. I was okay. like, oh, she and Jewel, both Alaskan uh singer songwriters of the nineties. No, but I wouldn't have been surprised if she was from Anchorage. I wouldn't Alaska. have either. But she's from Kentucky. It's a uh, suburb of Louisville. Uh, mm. and, but she moved to New York City in the 80s to study filmmaking at NYU. Oh. However, she would drop out shortly after when she ran out of tuition money. While she loved film, she also loved music. And in a New York Times article I read, she was quoted as saying, There was something about the emotional nakedness of the music that really spoke to me. Nice little, nice little quote. Uh, a friend of her invited her to an open mic show at Abilene Cafe and dared her to perform a song one night. And she chose Billie Holiday's "God Bless the Child." Is that place still there? It is. N- there is a Abilene Cafe in Brooklyn. This seems to be one that would have been in like East Village or Greenwich mm-hmm. Village, and I couldn't yeah, find any information about it. Gotcha. She would start to become a regular uh, at, at Abilene Cafe and also in, in other f- places around Greenwich Village and East Village. Fellow musicians encouraged her to continue playing, and she got quite connected with the local scene, playing with folks such as Blues Traveler, Spin Doctors, Chris Whitley, Jeff Buckley, and others. Wow. And she even sang background vocals for Carol King once. What a, what a smorgasbord of yeah. 90s royalty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Carol King. <laughs> in... 1991, she started her own record label entitled Womenly Hips, which I love. Yeah. And she released her first album, which is called Soul Show, live at Delta 88. That's badass. In the city. That's like a very entrepreneurial spirit, like right off the bat right there, Joan. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially in the 90s. That was not an easy thing to do at that time. 
Well, I read that she was inspired by other women at the time kind of taking control of their music and owning the rights, and she was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to do this. So, love that. Uh, after she released that album, she began touring the Northe- Northeast and built quite a following, which led to her being signed by Mercury Records. And she released her first major album, Relish, which includes the hit One of Us. Did she did she get her, her little record label imprint on the artwork too, the Womanly Hips? I have to assume she did, because the Womanly Hips record label still exists. That's what she releases all the music on. So. Cool. Are there any other artists on there? Not that I could tell. Uh, from what I found, there wasn't. They don't have a website or anything. But when I found some discography, it was just a lot of Joan Osborne. I think there was like one or two things that looked like her and someone else, but I don't think there's anything. So before we talk too much about the song, we have to take a little detour down to my hometown of Philadelphia, because while Joan wrote most of the songs from the album, she did not write one of us. What? Uh, she does. She does write a lot. She Joan is a prolific writer. She studied under Doc Pomus before his death in, uh, in the early 90s. He was a legendary songwriter who wrote for folks like Elvis, The Drifters, Frankie Avalon, wow. and others. Uh, so she writes a lot of her stuff, but she did not write this song. Huh. One of Us was written by Eric Bazilian of the legendary Philadelphia rock band, The Hooters. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. What was their big hit? They rose to fame in the 80s thanks to songs like Enemy Dance, All the Zombies, and Day by Day. I will uh, I'll send you a clip of Envy Dance because I'll send it to you in the middle of the song here because all their videos are very theatrical and they all have like, epic intros. I like this one. I like a lot of this stuff, but this one, this one's They're like the Philadelphia replacements. Yeah, go ahead, folks. Uh, their nickname, by the way, or, or, or the, the name here, comes from a nickname for the instrument, the melodic. That's where it comes from. Or or a great <laughs> wing joint. All right, definitely poppier than the replacements, but he's, uh, he's got a, a whole Paul Westerberg thing going on. Yeah. Some of their stuff's a little poppier. And the um, guitar But not all of it. Uh, I will give credit to my hometown radio station, WMMR for helping launch the band originally. Oh, uh, Memer. Memer. They were also assisted by heavy airplay on MTV in the early days. Uh, while they toured the U.S. and Europe heavily, a couple notable shows that they played were that they opened for the Who's Farewell Show at JFK Stadium in Philadelphia. And that bill also included The Clash and Santana as a throwback Whoa. to a recent episode. Hmm. Uh, the Hooters were a part of Live Aid in 1985 in Philadelphia and the Wall Concert in Berlin in 19. 19- wow. They're like the Forrest Gump of 80s rock bands. <laughs> <laughs> so this clip is of them playing All the Zombies, which is a little more religious in nature as well. Uh, they reference to one of us. Okay, this song doesn't sound like the replacements at all. Not at all. It's more like. Like, a little more like it sounds like a song that would be played in front of a crowd like that <laughs> <laughs> it's big anthemic with with mullets like also everyone in the 80s played the keys like that where it was like the just dancing oh. in and out <laughs> and, and, yeah I love that I don't you don't see as many keyboard players doing that bring that back no get a little jig oh good 
Uh, Theo, were the were the Hooters uh, like royalty where you grew up? Like, was everyone a Hooters fan? I, it's hard for me to say because they did take a hiatus from like '95 to mid early 2000s. So I think during my like formative years of getting into music, they definitely weren't on the scene. But hearing mm-hmm. back in the '80s, mm-hmm. they were definitely royalty. I mean, yeah, you know, Philly didn't have like any yeah. real musicians coming out of there in the 80s so it's not like now where every cool indie rock band you're like oh where are they from philadelphia Philly. well this actually i have a, a very fun little story of how big the hooters were uh i mentioned mmr a second ago for those not familiar it's a legendary rock station it's been around for 50 some years and it's helped break a lot of great bands uh count some legendary djs including pierre robert ed shockey and john DeBella, among many others so back in 1984 WMR sponsored a school spirit competition, and they asked local high school students to send an index card or any type of paper about three by five inches in size with the words WMR and the Hooters and their school and send it into the radio station. The school that had the most entries would win a Hooters concert. They prepared to receive tens of thousands of entries. (laughs) They received... 26 million entries. Wow. What? I thought you were going to go in the opposite direction. I thought you were going to tell me there were like seven entries. 26 million? 26 million. They had to rent out an entire warehouse to store. Jeez. That is fantastic. Wow. Contests were way harder to run back in the day. (laughs) Uh, You know, something similar happened to my high school, except our concert was Ashley Simpson and Ryan Cabrera. Wow. Yeah. And it was a mandatory assembly. We had to go. Okay. That's and a lot of students were not thrilled. What, was it like a competition that you got one? Uh, some girl like won it from, it was like a radio promo thing. Uh, and then like Kiss FM. And then, but then they filmed an episode of her reality show that day. So like there's a whole episode that's in our high school. That's kind of cool. Uh, and it was like around the time of her SNL blunder. I think it was shortly yeah, yeah, after. Yeah, yeah. So like the air was thick with uh, with <laughs> controversy. Well, the air was thick with controversy in this contest as well. Uh, New Jersey's <laughs> Shawnee High won. <laughs> However, because of allegations of fraud. Well, 26 riots. million entries. Of course, there is fraud. <laughs> there were riots and there were law- lawsuits. So because of this, and because of the overwhelming number of entries, uh, the Hooters decided to do a bit of a tour, and they called it the Lasagna Tour, and they just played regional high schools every night around the region, <laughs> and every night they would serve lasagna. So that's why they called it Lasagna Tour. That is just excellent. I read some interview with the guys, and they were like, you know, we were playing schools like in the same town, so within a, you know, like a five-night span, we would eat from the same Italian restaurant because it was the only place that served you know, multitudes of lasagna. And also, much like lasagna, their kindness and giving spirit has layers. Exactly. Yes. Ooh, I like that. Yes. I like that. <laughs> Let me send you a picture of the boys with just, uh, uh, I imagine, a small portion of the entries. Just boxes and boxes and boxes of three by five cards. I love these guys. Pretty hilarious. What constitutes fraud in a situation like that? Is it just that, like, were they not allowed to do multiple entries and people sent in multiple entries? Like, how do you and why are they cracking down on it like that? Well, I didn't do too much digging, but uh, I did read that a lot of school principals were upset because you had to write, you know, the words 
on a card and send it in. You couldn't print them out with a computer mm-hmm. back in the day. So they were saying that like kids throughout the school day would just be writing <laughs> different index cards and not actually paying attention in class for you know weeks on end. So I don't know. It was just a little odd bit of Philadelphia rock legend. I can't wait for the Hulu documentary about the controversy behind this contest. I was hoping there would be some sort of like YouTube documentary or yeah. something, but I couldn't couldn't find much. Yeah, maybe, I maybe mean, sign. are there 26 million teenagers in the Philadelphia metro area? I can't imagine that's true. There's no I'm, way. I'm go out on a limb and say no. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> Eric and Rob Hyman, or bandmates, uh, they are the ones who start the Hooters. They are the Hooters. Uh, they met while attending University of Pennsylvania. So, you know, oh. they're smart. Uh, it was there that they also met another student named Rick Chertoff. Rick would go on to play in an early band with Rob and then would go on to produce and play on Rob and Eric's, uh, Rob, Eric and Rob's first band, Baby Grand. That's a good band name. It's a good band name. So from there, Chertoff moved to New York City and he started training under Clive Davis during oh. the inception of Arista Records. Wow. Another yeah, connection to our Santana episode. Yeah. He would go on to sign and produce acts at Arista and worked with the Kinks and Alan Parsons Project, among others. Now, he then moved to Columbia Records, where he was instrumental in bringing in acts such as the band, <coughs> Sophie B. Hawkins, and the Hooters. One of Chertoff's biggest successes was producing Cindy Lauper's debut album, oh. She's So Unusual, featuring jams such as Girls Just Want to Have Fun and Time After Time. <sighs> Heavy you know hitters. Time after time. This guy? Uh, the other guy in the Hooters, Rob Hyman. <laughs> Whoa! With Cindy Lauper, wrote Time After Time. And the background wow. vocals in that song is that of Rob's. Wow. Pretty awesome. Who knew the legacy of the Hooters? <laughs> right? I feel like it's unsung. So it was actually Rob of the Hooters who heard Joan one night playing in NYC and brought her to the attention of Rick who would sign her to Mercury Records and produce her album. Of course, Rick brought along his old friends and college roommates and collaborators, Robin and Eric, to help write songs for this then-little-known artist, and Eric wrote One of Us. In one interview, he said, I wrote that song in one night, the quickest song I ever wrote to impress a girl, which worked because we're married and we have two kids. Uh, wow. But we were in... We were in the middle of writing Joan's album, which was a group effort with Rick and Joe and Rob and I, and I did a demo for one of us, this wacky little demo, which I ended up putting on as a hidden track from the CD of my first solo record, <laughs> and I played it for them. <clears throat> and it really hadn't even occurred to me that this was something that Joan might do, but Rick, in his wisdom, asked Joan if she thought she could sing it. And I think that was better that he asked her in that way rather than, do you want to sing it? Because the answer to that might not have been yes. <laughs> But she definitely said, yes, I could sing it. And we did a little demo right there with the guitar and her singing it. And when I got in my car and popped in the cassette, I started practicing the Grammy speech that I should have gotten to give. The fun little. That's great. Uh, I did watch a documentary of sorts on YouTube. He went into a little more detail and, and there's some fun little anecdotes here. His wife, then girlfriend, Sarah, had just moved over from Sweden. And one night they were watching Sgt. Peppers. And... She wanted to know more about four-track recording, how it worked. So he busted out a four-track recorder. He put the guitar part down and then added some drums from a drum machine. Then she asked him to sing it. And he didn't have a song behind it. He didn't have any lyrics to it. So uh, he said, so when she said sing it, I thought, okay, let me try something. 
and I heard a little voice in my head. I heard the voice of Brad Roberts from Crash Test Dummies, and I put the machine in the record, picked up the microphone, and sang. The whole song came out in one take. Which, in this documentary, you hear a little bit of him singing it in the original version, and it is very, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like, He does, like, a really deep voice and kind of does the song, which would have been the demo that she heard. So I can see, you know, why she might not think it'd be right for her, but uh, interesting little... Crash test dummies connection. Uh, yeah, this is this Another one's tying. Yeah, this one's tying tying together so many episodes. Yeah. Also, like just like lots of name. It, he could come off as like the most name droppy person ever. Like I've written songs for this person, this person, Cindy Lauper. Oh, and you know my friend from the Crash Test Dummies. It reads like a guy just like here's all the people I know. <laughs> Maybe back then the Crash Test Dummies were. Uh, yeah, would have been a good. Host. I feel now like yeah, like, huh? at that time it'd be like oh yeah, Crash Test Dummies are huge. I still couldn't name another song that they did, but I love that one. Uh, we talked about several in that episode, and I don't remember any of them. <laughs> no. Nope. Uh, in the same doc, Jones said, Eric had recorded this in the middle of the night, and when I first heard it, I didn't think it was immediately a song for me because it was in such a different place. I like the song. It catches your ear. Not many pop songs are talking about God and asking about what do you think about God, so it does, of course, grab you. I mean, so, that's a fair assessment. Mm-hmm. Makes it why, why it's a weird little hit. They recorded it live right then. And Eric said, we looked around the room and we knew that voice and that song was something we were going to hear for a long time. Joan said, the person who is singing the song is a very innocent person, almost like a child, almost like a child comes to you and tugs in your sleeve and asks you a question like kids do, where it's something that blows your mind, something you haven't thought about since you were a little kid. Which I love that quote because it actually does like encapsulate the song. I feel like you know it's even if you're not religious and even if you're not fully thinking into the lyrics, it does have this like childlike way of like asking questions and making you you step back and think a little bit. So and it also sounds like she she thinks about it. Kind of you mentioned she went to filmmaking school. She's got that whole kind of theatrical view yeah. of how mm-hmm. the song is going to be too, and the characters and how, yeah, I like that definitely. Definitely. It's always interesting to me whenever someone has a hit song that they didn't write, which happens all the time. And but they sing it like I had no idea that she didn't write the song because she sells it like she Mm, really embodies the song. It sounds like she she put in the work for sure. Her background and a lot more of the records that she does are much more like blues influenced and kind of old timey. So a lot of the songs on the album are are of that nature. And for her, she says Mm -hmm. like so glad the song worked and people got attracted to my album because of that because it allowed them to hear the stuff that i was really working on really cared about so uh you know, she's in good spirits about that she didn't write it she's happy with it uh eric does play guitar and sing on the song as well uh, and he's the one that has that amazing guitar part he used a 1954 gibson gold top les paul and i feel like that mm. the guitar is like so striking in the song it really does make it yeah uh, it does uh and then the beginning of the song it starts out with those first few lines. Uh, it's a hymnal called the Aeroplane Song. Or I also saw it listed as Heaven's Airplane. It was recorded in 1937 by Alan Lomax and sung by mm. Nell Hampton. Lomax recorded thousands of songs and interviews for the Archive of American Folk Song, of which mm-hmm. he was the director at the Library of Congress at the time. Has he not come up yet? He might have been. I mean, I feel he, like he did. He's like a but, curator of yeah, yeah, ubiquitous figure. 
and controversial. It's one of those things that you, when you hear it, you like, can't not hear one of us starting right after those first few lines. I, I had no idea the song had a sample in it. I couldn't, for the life of me, figure out how the hell this got into Joan Osborne's song. I don't know who that idea it was. I don't know why they chose it. Mm. Couldn't find anything. I mean, lyri- lyrically, I think it, it makes sense. Who in that room was listening uh, to that song, that, though? That first... Like, you know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I even thought about the other day, like, emailing Eric and being like, I'm from Philadelphia, too, man. How the hell did this song get on here? Uh, <laughs> so if anybody knows Eric or Rick or Joan, ask them, please. I don't think we've ever actually reached out to anybody to ask questions before to do our research. I just thought this would be somewhere, obviously. Mm-hmm. But now there's a lot of articles about this song and like the, that documentary. They all mm-hmm. kind of say the same thing. But nobody references this part. That's so interesting. I Maybe a Joan thing, because she does seem like she knows a ton about old music and right, yeah. folk and blues. So maybe... Sounds like we're getting the radio edit of the story, too, here. <laughs> it no, really does. No. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, I, I will hunt it down. If anybody knows, send it in for the mailbag, please. Also, I tried to find... Eric mentioned that he recorded this song and put it as a hidden track to his, one of his solo albums. Couldn't find that either. Mm. Mainly because when you look up the song and Eric or the Hooters there's tons of versions of the Hooters playing it Eric playing it oh really it's a little bit more of like a fun little jazzy version of the song Eric if you're listening we have questions questions for you ooh it is jazzy like sexy sax jazzy yeah this is like the weather channel version still that guitar thing oh yeah the drummer Yeah, if you want to see Eric singing his song, there are there are many of them. Yeah. Many videos. This is uh this video is great. It's just like dads and dads with that making a making a video. And everybody is feeling it so hard. They really are. Slow pan. Uh, <laughs> Wait, this video is ten minutes long of this song? It's very jammy. Yeah. Wow. How about it? How about it later? <laughs> Pour yourself a glass of red wine. Yeah, uh, Joan said that there were people in the United States who thought it was blasphemous and that you couldn't sing a song about God like this. She said that she received death threats and that people would come to her show and protest. But Oh my God, so, you want people to talk about God on the radio and then she does it and look yeah, what happens. Christians are never happy, man. Meanwhile, she likened the song to... The story of the Good Samaritan in the Bible. Uh, she's mm. quote saying, "There's a person who is down and out. People walk past him, don't see him, don't react, don't reach out to him. But there's one person who reaches out and says, I'm a fellow human being, and I'm going to help you.' To me, that's what it's about. How do we treat each other? Do we look past these things that we put on each other and these identities, like oh, that's a homeless person, or that's a person who doesn't agree with me politically?" Or do we look past that and look at each other's common humanity, and do we reach out to each other across those differences? And in the same way... You wonder, is this person God? Well, yeah. Uh, And Eric said, for me, the song was more about what happens to you when you look at something that has completely changed your worldview, which could be meeting God, it could be meeting an alien, 
It could be a near-death experience. It could be anything like that. Just how everything you know is wrong or everything you know is right and you didn't know it. What year did this song come out? 95. That is the same year as Dishwalla Counting Blue Card, which has a very similar theme. Uh, I wonder if they also got death threats, especially because they called God a woman. That's true. I'm sure people were pissed about that. Mm. For, for all those who are unaware, that is the absolute first episode of this podcast, which will never be shown <laughs> in public. never came Maybe out. we'll do the song again that was someday. A, that was our well. test episode. <laughs> uh, that's crazy they were the same year. Because I, I link these songs together in my head just because as a kid, like hearing them, yeah. they, they have very similar themes. So now it's time to watch the video. Oh, I'm so ready. I yes. don't remember anything about this off the top of my head, but I'm sure I'll recognize it. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I really remembered it either. Oh my god, I already know from the small photo. Oh, this video, of course. They only posted this a year ago? Or no, 2021, and it has 57 million views. Wow. wow. July 23rd. Interesting. Oh, look, and they included that sample in the video. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I wonder if they played yeah, that yeah. part on TV. Oh, I can't believe I didn't think of this video right away. I mean, her, I the close-up really of her is, is iconic. Didn't we find out later that that was like a a fake nose ring? I feel what? like that was a controversy that came out later. The nose ring at the time was fake in the video. Uh, Joan talked about making the video, and she said the makeup artist brought the fake yes. nose ring. And Joan said, I thought I looked very vanilla and it wasn't rock and roll enough, so I wore it. Mm. When the video came out, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to look like the biggest poser in the world if I don't actually get a nose ring. So I think she then got a nose ring. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> That's great. But it was it was so not her. And you could almost tell. Like, Well, also, she'd be at shows and people would be like asking her questions about the nose ring. <laughs> so prominent, though, when you look at the video. <laughs> I only remember the close-up of her face. Nothing else seems familiar right now. She looks so 90s cool. Yes. So this was filmed in Coney Island, for the most part. Yeah. I assume her part was not. What's going on with the, like, the other people in the video? It's just... Is there a story there? No. I, well, maybe, mm. sure. I think just it's... Just pe- people at Coney Island? Well, if you've ever been to Coney Island. Different types of people. If you've ever been to Coney Island. I went to Coney Island last year on July 4th. And uh, I had to remind myself that maybe God was walking around so that I could keep my patience with all the crazies that are there. So I think that's the point. Is that, like, God yeah. can be among you anywhere. And, uh, you know, what if God was one of us? What if he was just a slob like us, you know? Maybe, maybe we're all God, Joan. Maybe we're all God. So this video was directed by Mark Seliger and Fred Woodward. Mark was the chief photographer for Rolling Stone between 1992 and 2002, shooting over 188 covers for the magazine. And he did everyone from Kurt Cobain to Tom Hanks to Dylan to Obama, like some epic, very cool photos. And actually, the, yeah. the close up of Joan here is kind of the style. And if you look at some of the pictures, you can kind of see that vibe in him uh him and Mar- uh, him and fred had a creative partnership and they also directed violet for whole sean colvin's sunny came home paula cole's i don't want to wait 
uh, among others, as well as many gas commercials. Wow. He's, uh, he, he's, he got real into the Lilith Fair uh, constituency. Yeah, it's funny because he did, and so did Rick uh, Chikoff, the producer, did a lot of the same, like, similar female-led song people song. Yeah. They, they found the niche. I'm wondering, listening to this song, like, what makes this not... I guess, I guess it's that she's, like, questioning God at all, but, like, what makes this, like, not a song that could be played on Christian radio? Because there's... I mean, like, the majority of the lyrics are very religious. I think it's that... Because she did mention that a lot of Christians did reach out to her and were, like, thankful and loved the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's like anything. There, are, if I was going to go deep, I would say that like people that have like a real connection to their faith and a real understanding of like who Jesus and God or whatever it was, I think can relate to the song really well. It's the performative Christian that aren't really, <laughs> yeah. truly Christian who are like, oh, blasphemy! You can't talk about God in any way that's not like yeah, in the way that I wanted to be talked about. Oh, that too. Out the door. Yeah, they are out. Yeah. This is on rock radio? <laughs> yeah, Christian rockers didn't get nose rings for another 15 years. <laughs> Somebody wrote this named The Hooters? Yeah, that's what it was. They're like, oh, The Hooters. That sounds that sounds <laughs> wrong. That's the video. That's the song. Okay. Yeah. I can't believe I didn't think of that right away. When I ride the bus, I like to pick up a coffee for the ride. Ideally, it's coffee from our friends at Dark Matter in Chicago, Illinois. They're making truly excellent, intellectually honest, sustainably made coffee, and you too can try it on us. Go to darkmattercoffee.com, pick up some bags of beans, and use the code WANTEDAHITCAST at checkout. That's WANTEDAHITCAST, all one word, at checkout, for free shipping on us. We have a feeling you'll love it. You'll be one of us. Where do we think this ended up in the charts? On the Hot 100? Yeah. It was a big song. I don't think it was number one, though. Top five? Yeah, I'm going to go three. That's what I had. That was the number I had in my head. Are we allowed to say the same number? <laughs> we can, you know what? We're in this together. Yeah, we're in this together. <laughs> how, about, how, about, how about this, Randy? Uh, higher or lower or, or three? You going three or higher or lower? I'm going three. Nope. We are. This is it. Mike and I are on the team. Solidarity. What if I tell you <laughs> it's not three? Higher or lower? Oh, maybe we're going higher. <laughs> yeah, Are we together no, on this one? <laughs> no, no, you're you're done. You're three. Oh, I'm three. Higher, I'm three. Okay. Okay. higher or lower, Brandon? Price is right. I'm gonna go. <laughs> Wait, and if I say higher, does that mean like higher on the charts and then lo- okay, let's go higher. Wah, 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 wah. No, <laughs> lower. Lower. Number you four. really had us going there. You really four. had us going like it should be higher. <laughs> I know. No, no, no. Hey, hey, top five is great. Went number four. This debuted on the charts in December 1995, and it peaked February 3rd of the next year. And let's go through the top 10. A long, a long journey bet, for yeah. this song. I do think of the yeah. entire point of this podcast, I guess we figure out why something with a hit. This is not one of those episodes because, uh, like, radio play, I don't know. Um, uh, the label loved like, the song and pushed it hard. I imagine it was big on, like, Hot AC first. Yeah, I could find nothing about any mm-hmm. of that that story i don't think it's rock enough to be on like alternative stations i think i'm just hot no, ac I, yeah Maybe. I, I think it could have been on alternative at the time yeah uh number 10 of that week 
was Nobody Knows by the Tony Rich Project. Mm. Uh, number nine was Before You Walk Out of My Life by Monica. Oh. Number eight, Be My Lover by Labouche. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which Labouche is, means the mouth, I think. Mm-hmm. That, okay. Yeah, I think so too. Great song. Number seven, Breakfast at Tiffany's, Deep Blue Something. Great song. Oh, yeah. That's that's going to come up at some point. Uh, name from Goo Goo Dolls coming down for number five. Uh, I would have thought jam. that would have went uh, hey lover, hello cool J, coming down for number three, and then we got, we got and this on the list it was Joan with a bullet number four. Unfortunately, she she stagnated there. Uh, mm. Number three, missing everything but the girl. That might be a song we talk oh, about. Oh, that's oh, that's because it is kind of weird. That's on my that's list. Great, I love that. That's song. that's I love, I love that song, that song. too. Uh, everything but the girl is back. They just came out their first album in like really years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got to mm-hmm. dig into that. And then we have two like mega hits here. We have number two, Exhale, Troop Troop by Whitney Houston. Mm. Uh, and then we got One Sweet Day, Mariah Carey, and Boys to Men. Mm. Oh, that was number one for like 10 Huge. years. Mm-hmm. I think that was the longest number one at the really? time when it was number one. Wow. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Fucking huge. I mean, how could you how could you bring down the juggernauts that are Boys to Men and Mariah Carey at that time? Well, you know, the no way. Boys to Men at the time, probably the biggest Philly band. And the Hooters were trying. Uh, that's true. God <laughs> damn it, they were trying. They were pushing. <laughs> yeah, how many high schools entered that contest to have Boys to Men perform at their high school? Hooters get 26 million, Boys to Men, 42 million. Come on. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, in 1996, she was nominated for six Grammys. Six. I, mm. I think the uh, the song, the entity, was seven total because one of these would, would have been to Eric. Uh, she mm. was nominated for Best New Artist, and she lost to Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> <laughs> she was nominated for Album of the Year, and she lost to Jagged Little Pill. Which okay, mm. uh, uh, I mean yeah, that's indisputable. Uh, she and Eric were nominated for Song of the Year and then Record of the Year. Uh, both losing mm-hmm. to Seal, Kiss from a Rose, which, mm-hmm. eh, yeah, yeah. Well, Song of the Year is a songwriting, so she has a songwriting credit on, on this? Uh, no, so it was nominated for Song and Record of the Year. Two separate. Oh, okay. okay got, yeah. got it, got it. Yeah. I mean, that Seal song, too, is just, just unbeatable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Among juggernauts. Yeah. So good. It's just, Seal's just such a boss. She was nominated for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. Okay. And she lost to Annie Lennox. They don't still separate genders, right? For those categories? Not anymore. I don't think no, they do. I don't, I don't believe so. Yeah. So she was nominated for it's Best Female best. Pop Vocal Performance for that right. song. Mm-hmm. She was also nominated for Best Female Rock Vocal Performance for mm, another okay. song on the record called St. Oh. Teresa. Okay. And she lost to Atlantis, you ought to know, which... Uh, yeah, yeah. Man. It's a hell of a rock song. In 2007, the song was ranked at number 54 on VH1's Greatest Songs of the 90s, mm. and number mm-hmm. 10 on the network's 
40 greatest one-hit wonders of the 90s. Is So, yeah, she's considered a one-hit wonder? Because she only has one pop hit, I guess? Yeah. I mean... As I know, she... Or I'm, I assume she's had, like, adult contemporary hits. No, I don't think so. Oh, yeah, really? When you go on to her, her in general's, uh, her billboard site or whatever, uh, there's not a lot going on. So I think it's just actually, she seems like such a such a revered singer songwriter. Like I feel like I feel like I feel like she's got a maybe she just has a cult following from that record. Oh yeah, I would think so. I feel like when when Joan Osborne comes to town, there are some chart history, some, some Joanies there in the in the audience excited. <laughs> contemporary. Number 20. Ooh. One of us. Pete number 20. What? On Dolce Temporary? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, what's well, weird. Uh, let's see. Yeah, adult weird. Pop Airplay. This is like a song that I, like, if I had to describe Adult Contemporary to somebody. 16 Adult Pop Airplay. Huh. Alternative Airplay. So it did get Alternative Airplay. S- number 7. Wow. Okay. I've underestimated the rock of Joan adult Osborne. Adult Alternative Airplay. It went... Number 16. Huh. Weird. Adult alternative? That was a thing? Yeah. Wow, they really they really just <laughs> milked the whole alternative thing for a while. You can make as many segments of something as you want to give something as Absolutely. many titles as you want. <laughs> <laughs> On mainstream rock airplay, which now is like... Uh, what do they call uh, it now? Modern, modern rock. Modern rock, yeah. yeah. Uh, Pete the 26, which means she was definitely getting a decent mm-hmm. amount. Mm-hmm. You couldn't flip through the dial and not hear Joan, yeah. is what I'm... Country. <laughs> yeah. Hip-hop. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm trying to think. Like, in 1995, my parents were listening to mostly alternative radio. So, And I feel like I heard this song quite a bit. So, I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Only because we haven't talked about this list before. The VH1's 40 uh-huh. greatest one-hit wonders <laughs> of the 90s. We're, like, really, like, going there. Um, real quick here. She came in number 10. Number 11 <sighs> with New Radicals, You Get What You Give. Whoa. Banger. We talked about that the other night. Fucking yeah. love that song. Hot take. Love that song. Uh, number 9, House of Pain, Jump Around. Yeah. Uh, number 8. Barely breathing. Oh, Everlast from House of Pain had quite quite the career as as Everlast. <laughs> True, <laughs> that's yeah. a good point. And Duncan Sheik, Tony Award number seven. Number seven, we got Vanilla Ice. That's Ice a, that's baby. a one hit wonder, just through and through. Oh, number six, Closing oh, Time. Semi-Sonic, love that song. Another great mm. song that, exploder. That's episode. one of the best yep. podcast episodes I've ever heard. And now is when we get into our category. Uh, number five. Chumbawamba, Tub Thumping. Number four, Macarena, <laughs> Los Del Rio. Number three, Rico Suave, Gerardo. Ooh, we haven't done Rico Suave. Ooh, we do do that one. Number two, <laughs> Right Said Fred, I'm Too Sexy. Yep. Uh, episode number uh, one. And then number one, Sir Mix-a-Lot, Baby Got Back. Oh, probably won't Probably won't cover that one. Uh, I mean... Uh, I think like episode I know why that's a we'll, hit. We'll run out of songs. <laughs> probably a great story, so we'll get there. It probably we'll is. There. It probably is. Yeah. I'll come back for that one. He's from Seattle. Hey, okay. All right, it's a deal. Our our first return guest will be Franny <laughs> to talk about Sir Mix a lot. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so I uh I saw him out on the elevator here. Did you? Whoa. 
Yeah. He came out of an elevator with Macklemore to Seattle Royalties. <laughs> and then I got in the elevator to go to the 26th floor and it was broken. So I got a bone to pick with those two. Wow. I want to say that when you said Macklemore, both Mike and I did like the lean back in our chair. Yeah, thing. I was like, not expecting that. And <laughs> I was thinking. And Macklemore? I was thinking Damn. in my head, what other rappers are from Seattle? And I didn't think of Macklemore. Oh, he's. I didn't think of anybody from actually. here, I tell you. Oh, yeah. I knew I he Macklemore. was. I don't, I don't know how you feel, Mike, but or for any brand name. I mean, I feel like you rap Seattle a little bit. You got to like him a little bit, but like. He's controversial, I feel like. Fan, I feel like you probably... I can see you being... I haven't considered him in a long time. Yeah. I, I liked... I liked that record when it came out. Sure. I haven't listened to it since it came out, but... um, I don't know. Yeah. He seems like Friend. a <laughs> jovial figure. You know, I can't, I will <laughs> speak to the fact that he, he seemingly broke an elevator that I needed to use, <laughs> and I don't know that I can get past that. I don't know if I can. And they play him every uh, Fuck Mariners Macklemore. game after the seventh inning stretch. Uh, so that's my, I will, I will, mm. that's the end of my comment. Mm. That has to be better than hearing Scott Stapp at every Marlins Is game. Is that what happens? I don't know if they ever actually played that song. Have you heard that you song? Heard that? <gasps> no, no. I've heard. No, I think. Wait, what? Oh, you've heard the song. You've heard Mar- Marlin's Soar by Scott Oh, wait, Stapp. no, I have not. <laughs> I'm sending to you Holy right now. shit. This is the greatest thing Oh, my God, Franny. This is... This, this is the greatest thing you hear all day. <laughs> this is a uh, <laughs> real song. Sung by Scott It's a real song, but it wasn't commissioned by the Marlins. He, he just, just did it. it. No, it wasn't commissioned. <laughs> it wasn't commissioned, but like... He just did they it. Played, they did play it. They did play it. I know that. Oh. We listened to this so many times in college. It, it was just oh so fun. This is real, by the way. This is not an SNL skit. This is real. <laughs> this is incredible. In, I mean, already an automatic entry in the canon of baseball songs <laughs> that are that exist. <laughs> and the lyrics make no sense at all. No sense. A diving catch, a stolen base. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> uh, You're and you know, Marlins are now. famous for for flying. Marlins are famous for soaring. <laughs> I love this part. He just named baseball things. Theo, we've had this conversation about this song. We've had this exact conversation probably at three in the morning about this song. <laughs> You've you've enriched my life today, you two, more than you can understand. Thank you. I mean, yeah, God, it's just too good. <laughs> There's a comment that says, "I found it so inspirational when Scott sang a perfect game, a triple play, another play, got me through some tough times." <laughs> also, I love the flex behind him. There's like. 47 guitars. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's so many guitars. I've made so much money that uh, I can afford any guitar I want. Oh, y'all, I haven't heard that in a while, and I got to admit, I have, I have tears in my eyes from laughing. Yeah, that that's, was that's good. That's good. That was All fun. right, so back to uh, the God song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Scott Sapp probably loves this song. <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs>
There are a lot of covers of this song. Oh, oh I can think There's of one. No one too notable except for <laughs> Mike. Doctor Evil. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's Doctor Evil too. I thought you were going to say Prince because there's a Prince. Prince covered yeah. this. Yeah. What? I'm going to send it to you right now. No, I was going to say right, Doctor we'll Evil. Get that that's, we'll get that too. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. What? I love that he would just cover songs he liked. Like he played that Foo Fighters song at the Super Bowl. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It actually sounds way more, like, religious. Like I, I've I, never I, heard I this. This is, more this is excellent. It sounds much more worshipy. It does. I think his voice has that quality. Yeah. The drums are very, like, Hillsong. You know? Prince sounds like God. I think that's what it is. <laughs> of course. This rules. Also, Prince was a religious, religious guy, so I feel like he he's into the song. Yeah, and the fact that the album that he put it on was called Emancipation, I feel like it was probably done. Yeah, no. dude, the synth in the chorus. Yeah, Hell yeah, this is great. Taking it in a very different direction, Kelly Clarkson also. Covered the song more recently. In oh, is that on her show? On her show, yeah. She does those little. Co- those are cool. She goes for it too. On these, it's actually cool because it's mm. much more piano driven, which is actually kind of a cool way to, to do the song. Yeah. I mean, Kelly's so good. Yeah, she can do wrong. She can sing anything. I'm there. Oh. Yeah, totally agree. The uh, tweet right underneath it. Somebody said, yo, Kelly Clarkson, if you like the Eric Bazillion song, One of Us, and tagged Eric, you should check out his new single, I Miss Everything. You should also have him on your show to talk about songwriting. Hashtag Eric Bazillion, hashtag Kelly Clarkson, hashtag One of Us. With a YouTube link for Eric's new song. I don't know the song. Hashtag Eric stands in the comments. Oh my it's god! A, yeah, this is a the the bazillionaires they call this them. Is a oh. 2020, 2020 song called "I Miss Everything." So I have to assume it's a COVID song. Let's listen to it together. We've all let's all let's all click the comments. <laughs> We're going on some tangents today, and I really am enjoying this. I feel like we started with the tangent when we found out that she didn't write the song. It's been yeah. just the theme of the day. Oh, this is definitely a COVID song. Total COVID song. Written, recorded, and mixed in a basement in Stockholm, Sweden during the pandemic of 2020. Well, his wife is from Stockholm, so... Hmm. I guess they went back there. I probably bought it during COVID. I'm not, I'm not quite as... This song's not great. Right. These COVID songs never really came out for me. Uh, except for the Chromio ones. Those are fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this song was the theme song for Joan of Arcadia, the CBS oh. smash hit. Ooh, the Joan crossover yeah, event. I, I, will, I, I see what they're I doing there. that theme song there. <laughs> the, the opening yeah. credits. Yeah. I think I saw this come on like after football one time or something. <laughs> Wow, the intro, Dalai Lama, 
Bob Dylan, Nelson Mandela. Well, I mean, Joan, Joan Osborne. We will get here in a second, but Joan, Joan Osborne played with Bob Dylan and played for the Dalai Lama. So, Wait, have y'all seen how stacked this fucking cast this is? Big, big show. Mary Steenburgen, Joe Montana, Amber Tamblyn. What years was that show on? Wow. Early 2000s, I believe. Jason Ritter looks really familiar, too. Well, oh, he's in Parenthood. He's oh, he's kid. John Ritter's kid. Yeah. Oh, he's in Freddy vs. Jason, Frozen Two, a thing called Good Dick. Um, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know that John Ritter's dad is Tex Ritter, the country singer. I knew that. Okay. I'm learning so much. Thanks for being here on this journey, Franny. (laughs) I feel like tonight we're all walking away with something. (laughs) We really are. (laughs) If 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 only discuss that part. This song was also featured in in an episode of Glee. It was in Vanilla Sky, as Uh well as Bruce Almighty, and as Mike mentioned, it is famously in Austin Powers. What if God was one of us? The sequel. Just it's right. It's a sequel. Like Spy Who Shagged Me, right? <laughs> they have a title at the beginning, like Dr. Evil. Another, like God uh, was one of us. Another piano version, very similar to Kelly. Yeah. Carson. Is this where Kelly got her inspo from? <laughs> Perhaps. She was picturing many me. What a hilarious idea to put this in that movie. Which brings us to... A- the only cover, or the only parody that I think is worth mentioning, which is What If God Smoked Cannabis? Which is from the Bob Rivers show. If God had long hair And a goatee And if his eyes were pretty glazed If he looked spaced out Would you buy There's a Seattle icon. I don't know who Bob Rivers is. He's, is he from Seattle? Any guess? Uh, no. I, I'm not familiar. This is a high budget video. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> also, it looks like it says official video 2023, so this is hot off the presses. Oh. Interesting. Put up 12 days ago? Yeah, you might run into Bob Rivers on an elevator. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this was posted 12 days ago. It has 758 views. <laughs> No, this is older. The video is new. Mm. But then a lot of articles. Oh, okay. Well, he just made a new video. He really nailed the guitar tones. All right. I got the joke. <laughs> I think it's a, uh, a Seattle radio DJ. Mm. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Can't say that I am familiar. I feel like the KXP crew maybe doesn't hang around with... <laughs> Uh, commercial radio folks where are they now where are they now eric rob and hooters have been playing consistently over the years uh as i mentioned earlier they went on hiatus between 95 and 2001 Mm. but when they got back together they continued touring and recording music most recently releasing their latest record rocking and swing just earlier this year Mm. they're still at it it's great to hear. Mm-hmm. As for Joan, uh, other songs from her first release were Minor Hits, St. Teresa, and Right Hand Man. Mm-hmm. 
She would go on to co-headline Lilith Fair uh, later in the 90s. Hell yeah. Since gone on to play Austin City Limits. And Can we bring Lilith Lottery. Fair back? Like, I feel like now is the time for Lilith Fair to return. I'm, I'm down. Just, just feels feels like the time is nigh. She has gone on to play Austin City Limits and the Grand Old Opry, as well as tour with the likes of the Chicks. And actually, she was like pre-John Mayer. She was touring with the Dead pretty heavily, as oh. well as a lot of Phil Lesh solo shows. What? And yeah. she played the Opry? That's that's also wild. She also, as I that's mentioned, great. played for the Dalai Lama. Mm. She was a featured artist at the Nobel Peace Prize ceremony, and she played during the Olympic Games in Atlanta. One hit wonder my ass. Exactly. And I should mention that she is still on tour. Head to her website if you're interested in seeing her live in a town near you. Uh, since Relish, she has released many albums. Many of her own stuff. She's also done a lot of like cool, like old bluesy albums, and done some cover stuff of certain artists. She currently lives in Brooklyn with her longtime partner, pianist Keith Cotton. You can hang out. We can. You might she see her at she, Skinny Dennis. She apparently is like a big fan of Borum Hill area, so mm. potentially she is lives very close to me. You're like, uh, oh, Joan, I was just here getting a coffee. Fancy yeah. seeing you here. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? <laughs> How the fuck did that one hymnal get the beginning of your hit song? Uh, her and Keith have one daughter together. She was born in 2004. Uh, Joan is fucking badass. She's a big activist. Like, she, I read a lot of articles about her during like, the Trump days, and she was very, like, anti Trump, obviously. Uh, she is uh, just does like a fuck ton for the community and and for humanity in general. She's a big supporter of Planned Parenthood and a a lot of initiatives around what they're doing. So hell yeah, uh, that's awesome. In that New York Times article that I mentioned earlier, does she still get from, death threats from all the all the evangelicals? <laughs> oh, probably yeah. <laughs> uh, I mentioned that New York Times article earlier. It was from 2017. Uh, at the time that the article, she was touring old Bob Dylan haunts, and uh, it was all in the lead up to a cabaret show that she was doing at Cafe Carlisle. Oh, oh, another connection to an I episode. Bring up because in the article, quote, the Carlisle had invited her to perform after she saw her friend. Buster Poindexter play there. <laughs> yeah. So her and Buster are buddies. I love it. Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, Jonah is a big Bob Dylan fan. Uh, she even got the chance to perform with him for an NBC series called 60s, in which mm. they sang Bob's song Chimes of Freedom together. Now, I searched everywhere for the version, and I couldn't find it. And I think I figured out why. Is I think it is this version, as you will see. Watch oh, oh, the Scott Stapp version, right? <laughs> no, this will start in the middle of the song. Just I want you to hear it. Um, this song credits Joan Baez. Oh, but apparently, I I did a lot of research on this. This video and a lot of videos are miscredited. This actually is the Joan Osborne version. So Joan Baez everywhere. never did this song with Bob. No. Well, apparently this, like, multiple articles say this is miscredited. This, 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 song. this does sound like, so. like, 
old Bob. Like, right, like yeah. old guy Bob. Yeah. Of the session, Joan said, he, King Bob, didn't talk a whole bunch. A few things he did were very usurping. She did, she had just returned from Ireland, and she gave him a bottle of expensive whiskey. She said, I don't know if you drink. To which he responded, oh, I might drink that. <laughs> That's he he does have a whiskey company. Oh, that's right. He has his own. He has his that. own whiskey. Yeah, and I think it's uh, I think it's Irish whiskey. Maybe correctly. this is the start of it. Who knows? Well, I will end with a few quotes as I love to do. Uh, Eric, in talking about the success of the song, said it was outstanding and miraculous to write a song and have it find its voice and its audience like that. That is nothing short of miraculous. And just the way the song came about, I'm eternally and immeasurably grateful for that song. Joan said, I feel like music has this important job to do right now. Part Mm -hmm. of that job is to help imagine a better future and to hang on to hope. I want to play for people and get them up on their feet and dancing to let music do that thing it does. Bring joy and energy because we really need that right now. And that is the story of Joan Osborne and one of us. Yay! Wow. So there it is. Franny's clapping. That was lovely. Uh, I'm, I'm with, I'm with her on this. It's a good story. It's a good story. It's a fun little, fun little story. Not, not like a summer yeah. jam, but hopefully a heartwarming story for you all. As if. I'm going to be blasting this uh, on the river. This I am about I'm to like the... go sing this at karaoke. That's where I'm at right oh. now. This feels like it would yes. be a good karaoke song. Oh, be a great karaoke, great karaoke song. song, Franny. If we get a video of you singing this karaoke, I, I, that'll be the best social content we could possibly ask for. That would be so fantastic. Please, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's earlier in the West Coast, there's time. It's true. It's gonna be a yeah, big I, night. I think suddenly, this song is so like that guitar riff. I really think makes the song mm-hmm. so in karaoke. That would that would be right there. Mm. You could just you could blast whatever musical you want intro. Mm-hmm. Just just standing there. Doing well, they this. played the twelve seconds of yeah. that other song. <laughs> I was just about to ask. I wonder uh, if you have to you have to sing the it. Words. The the lyrics come up and it's acapella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah not frightening at nope. all. Could be fun. <laughs> I like this song. I think yeah. I like this song. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people didn't, and they probably found it annoying, and it was played a lot. But uh, I'm into it. Very- Linda Joan. Joan's cool. Joan's very cool. Joan's super cool. Um, I like the Hooters. I like Eric. Everyone seems very nice in this, in this uh, atmosphere no, here. No jerks. No yeah. jerks in the making of this song. Love it. And the fact that we got a Cindy Lauper reference. Love that. So <laughs> we had a lot of references. It was great. You could yeah. really make an accompanying well, playlist to this episode, and you'd you'd have a couple of yeah, minutes. That- I think we would. We haven't thought about making playlists for every episode of all the songs we mentioned. Why haven't we done that? See, Franny, this is why we invited you on the show. (laughs) Let's start today. Great idea. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Franny, thanks for being with us on this journey. Yeah, It was so fun to have you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Uh, Is there anything you want to tell the uh, the you wanted to hitters about? I don't have anything to promote either. I uh, just to say to the lovely people, I hope you have a great summer. <laughs> Hell yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's what we're promoting is yeah. a great summer. I like it. I like it. Well, uh, thanks for being here. I hope we can hoist some veil beers yes, at some point please. soon. That would be amazing. 
Well, can Mike walk there from my house. To you. Oh yeah, we're going to the Vale this like weekend, so we'll, we'll thirty-six hours. We'll, we'll toast to you. Of us drinking some beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. We'll and I, then I will send you the karaoke video once you have sent me that photo. Oh my god, that would be amazing. Okay, what a trade! What a trade! That's a wrap on this episode of You Wanted a Thing. Thanks for listening. Good luck getting that song out of your head. If you enjoyed the show, please do all the things podcasts usually ask you to. They really help. Tell a friend about the show, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, write a review on your favorite podcast app, and visit our website, ywahpod.com. That's ywahpod.com for updates on new episodes and our merch store. We have t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, stickers, and more. It all goes back into the podcast. We would love to hear what you thought of the episode. We also want to hear if there's something that we missed. You can reach us on Instagram and Twitter at YWHPod or directly via email at YWHPod at gmail.com. This podcast was researched, produced, recorded, and edited by me and Theo Biden. And our theme music is by Air Doctor. We'll see you next time.